Okay, the Pasha, good evening. The Pasha is Achremot and Kedoshim, two Pashiot this Shabbat. And the topic that I'd like to um, discuss with you comes up at the end of the Pasha of Achremot, and it refers to the prohibition against serving the Molech. Molech is usually taken to be the name of an idol of some sort. Clearly, something to do with idolatry. Um, this is the first reference on the sheet in Lachim Aleph. Az Yivnesh Lomo Bama Lichmosh Shikutz Moav Bahar you know that Shlomo HaMelech had a lot of wives and they came from different backgrounds and he didn't have time to re-educate them to teach them about the service after all they were all uh, political marriages in order to establish peace between Shlomo HaMelech and his neighbors so um, he had to pacify them, make them feel at home. So he actually built, uh, so it says in the Pasuk, he built uh, temples of idolatrous worship. But Shlomo HaMelech, why he did it and how he did it and how we think about it is not our interest right now. What our interest is, is that in this Pasuk he built, it says he built a Bama. Abama is a high place, a place where you do the service, right? Because it's, uh, it's built up. And Kemosh, Kemosh is the name of the idol of Moab. The word Shikutz is a word that means something uh, despicable. But here it refers to an idolatry, Shikutz Moab, the people of Moab. And the second part of the Pasuk says, Molech Shikutz B'nei Amon. So that the Pasuk says quite clearly that Molech was the name of an idolatrous worship that's associated with the nation of Amon. Right? Amon is Molech and Moab is Kemosh. So that we learn in the time of Shlomo HaMelech that the word Molech refers to a specific avodizar, a specific form of idolatry that took place at a specific place in the world, you know, Amon, which was, you know, generally, you know, the nations in the ancient time moved from place to place, but Amon's Moab was on the eastern side, as far as we know, the eastern side of the Jordan River, right, Eiver Hayardain Mizracha, and there, the, the people, the Jews, went through that area on their way to Eretz Israel, And they saw different kinds of idolatry. So in the Pasuk, in the parish, at the end of the parish of Achrei Mot, which, you know, the, the, the theme in Achrei Mot, besides the story at the beginning of Achrei Mot, which is about Achrei Mot, Shnei B'nei Aharon, after the death of the two older sons of Aharon, then you have the whole service of Yom HaKippurim, which we read in Shul on Yom HaKippurim in the morning. But in the, after, in, in the, in the end of the parish of Achremot, we have this idea of Kemaseh Eretz Mitzrayim, that there's idolatry, and then there's worse than idolatry almost. It's like, you know, imitating 
the worst of the nations. Like you can leave Mitzrayim, but if you take the Masev Mitzrayim with you, you're doing something unimaginable. In that parasha of Kemase Eretz Mitzrayim, at the end of at the end of Achremot, it says Vizaracha Lotitein Lahavir Lamol. You see the pasuk, the second pasuk on the sheet. Mizaracha, right? Your Mizaracha, uh, right? Your descendants, Lotitein Lahavir Lamolach. Don't give them to Molech somehow. Lotichalel Hashem Elokecha Ani Hashem. So the Mephoshim have some difficulty. The Mephoshim have some difficulty um, understanding how the verb fits in with the noun. What does L'ha'avir L'molech mean? L'ha'avir, avar, means to pass over from here to there. L'ha'avir, from here to there. What's L'ha'avir? What's L'ha'avir L'molech? Hmm? Okay, so we'll look at Rashi. We'll start with Rashi. This is a... I mean, you just have to have a sensitivity to the words. That whatever it is that is forbidden, it is included in that word l'ha'avir. And that word l'ha'avir doesn't jive with what we think. We think it has something to do with killing your own children. Rahmana litzlan, right? It has something to do with that. What is l'ha'avir? Why that verb? Why is that verb which means to pass over from one place to another? So Rashi says, Right? That an idolatrous worship named Molech. And this is how you worship it. Because we know people who are sensitive, you know, if you know the Gemaras on this, you know that there is a a certain rule that when you it ought to be to be truly obliged when you do Avodah Zarah you have to worship the Avodah Zarah Kedarka in, in other words you can't just go to an Avodah Zarah in the middle of the street and say you know you're the greatest and uh, I'm worshipping you but whatever it is that the worshippers do in order to transgress you have to do the same thing. So if the worshippers jump up and down, you have to jump up and down. If they throw rocks, you have to throw rocks. If they, they bleed themselves or make themselves bleed, you have to do things. You know, that's called avodah kidarka. You have to serve. There's another thing, but if you, if you serve the avodah, the same way you serve in the Beit HaMikdash, that's also a problem. But, but in other words, in other words uh, there has to be it has to be uh, uh, serving the Avodah Zarah. So he says, Zohi Avodah Tara, she says. This is the way you do it. You know, if you want to do something really bad, this is what you do, Rashi says. Shemoser benola komrim. He takes his son, a, a child, and he gives it to the komer. Komer is a priest. A word for priest. Uh, um, you know, like a galach. When Rashi said Komer, he was thinking about uh, Catholics, as you know. Even if you didn't go to the movie, it was Catholics. Shemoser benole Komrim, vosim shtei midurot gedolot. And then these guys, they make two big fires, like a kind of lahavdil, uh, lagba omer kind of thing. 
and ma'avirim et ben biraglav ben shnei midurot ha'ish. And then you take, they take the, the, the child, each one of these guys grabs onto a leg, and they, I mean, you're talking about the sacrifice. The sacrifice has two legs. Each one grabs onto a leg, and they put the body through the fires, right? So that according to Rashi, I mean, you remember that word in the Pasuk, right? So according to Rashi, what does mean? To make it pass through, like the child is brought through the fires from one side to the other. But what it doesn't say, what it doesn't say is that they kill him. They don't kill him, according to Rashi. They just do this, whatever the purpose of it is. You know, I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't say that they kill him. Maybe accidentally he might burn up, but I, I don't think so. I don't think that's what Rashi's intention is. In any event, generally it's brought down that there's a machloket we showed him about what the avodah of the molech was. That according to the Ra- Rashi and the Rambam, they just took the child and passed it through the fires. Right, passed from one end to the other end. And that was called molech. That was called avodah molech. According to the Ramban, here, in the part, well, it's not on the sheet, but I mean, you can, you can either believe me or look it up. Looking it up is good. Believing me is also good. But you can believe me until you look it up in the Ramban. Then, uh, the Ramban says, no, they actually killed him. They actually sacrificed. And this is something, it's something interesting. I mean, whenever you find a pasuk in the Torah, that the Rishonim, I mean, after all, the Rishonim, we're talking about the 10th century, the 11th century, the 12th century, right? We're talking about a thousand years ago. And, uh, again, 2300 years after Matan Torah, they look at the pasuk, they didn't know what it meant. They didn't know what it was, I mean, collectively. Like the Ramban said, I know what it means. And Rashi says, I know what it means also. But when you put them next to each other, we don't know what it means. Right? Because Rashi says this, and the Ramban said that. It all has to do with that word, l'havir, l'havir l'molech. So that's what Rashi, Rashi says. Uh, then uh, Rashi goes on to explain that therefore the pasuk, lotitein l'havir l'molech, right? Lotitein zoi b'sirator l'kmarim. That's what Rashi says. That you can't, uh, uh, you don't, it's not nothing to do with killing. It has to do with passing the child through the, 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 I guess, the space between the two fires. There are two fires, and you pass the child uh, through the two fires. You symbolically burn him up, but you don't have to burn him up. I mean, that's not the idea. Whereas, according to the Ramban, that's what Rashi says. That's how Rashi explains the Pasuk. You don't have to uh, pass, uh, burn him up, but you can burn him up. Now, this prohibition against the Molech is also found in the parasha of Kedoshim. Right? We read Achremot and Kedoshim. Those of you who remember Achremot and Kedoshim have something to do with each other, that the list of Arayot, the list of forbidden sexual encounters, is found in Acharimot, and the same list is found again in Kedoshim, in Kedoshim. So these two parashiot, which sometimes are read separately, but this year are read together, we have the prohibition against service of the Molech, again in the parasha of Kedoshim. Now what does it say in the parasha of Kedoshim? Let's look. 
You see it? It's the fourth source on the page. Going down in the right-hand column, right? That's everybody. Ish, ish always means every individual person. That's what ish, ish means. Uh, it doesn't mean everybody, but it means each one. Uh, whoever gives, here the word is yitain. Right, yitain. What was the verb before? Lahavir. Lahavir. Right here it's yitain. Yitain seems a simpler word to us. Motumat So now you have a more complicated kind of setup. Motumat. We talk about the punishment, which is often, it's often the case that in the Torah, there's a posset that says, don't do it. That's called, in the language of Chazal, that's called Azhara. And then there's another pasuk that says, if you do it, you get the following punishment. That's called Onish. So it was, it was for Chazal, it was simple that you needed this double kind of presentation. That it was reasonable. They didn't consider it to be a redundancy. That one pasuk would say, don't do it. And another one possibly would say, if you do it, when you do it, this is the punishment that you would get. Uh, you would get. In fact, there are rules about this kind of setup. Einon shim, elim kein, mazirin. Right? You don't. The Torah doesn't doesn't uh, punish you unless there was also a warning pasuk. Now, this has also to do with the way we understand culpability. That if two witnesses, for example, see that Reuven is about to kill Shimon, so the two, it's, it's, the two witnesses cannot assume that Reuven understands what the implications of his act are. But they have to say, listen, Reuven, if you kill that guy, your punishment is it's forbidden to kill him by the Torah, and if you kill him, you're going to be punished by death. You can't assume that he knows that. Right? He might be kind of in a moment of anger, taken up with uh, whatever, you know, and he's not going to do that. He's not going to uh, be uh, uh, reasonable, so you have to tell him. So that's, Ein on Shim Elen Ke So that's what the Pasuk says. He says, Mot Yumat Am Haaretz Yirgemuhu Ba'avim. Am Haaretz, Amaretz are the people. The people later on, later on in history after the Torah, Am Haaretz became kind of synonymous with people who didn't know the Torah very well, or didn't know the Halakha. In the Gemara, they talk about the Am Haaretz Haglili. And the Am Haaretz Haglili was someone who didn't know the Halachot of Trumot and Masrot so well, and didn't know the halachot, a very complicated halachot, they didn't know the halachot of Tarot so well. And so when you went into something, you had to visit somebody up in the Galil, in those days, in the days of the Tanaim, and you said to them, did you separate tithe, the Trumot and Masrot? So they would say yes. And you could believe them. But you were never sure that they did it correctly. Right? There's, you, you understand, this is a problem that exists today. Right, you know, are you kosher? 
course I'm kosher. My mother was kosher. My grandmother was kosher. I'm also kosher. But you don't, you don't always know what that means. So you have to ask another question. You know, the more questions you ask, the more embarrassing it gets. So, uh, you know, so, but, it, but the truth of the matter is that you don't know. You don't know what people mean when they say that they're kosher. I mean, when I was a kid, if somebody said that they were kosher, it meant that they didn't eat in the Chinese restaurant on Shabbos. Which, you know, it's kind of a liberal interpretation of what, uh, of what kosher is. But, uh, so you, had to, you always have this problem. Always have this problem. Rabbis especially have a big problem because everybody wants to invite the rabbis to eat with them. So today, a lot of rabbis have to declare that they're allergic to food that's not made by their wives. And they can't eat any place. So, you know, it's always a... That's why it's nice to be in Eretz Yisrael. It's nice to be in Yerushalayim. Because even if, you, even if you're liberal, you're still pretty kosher. You know, it's like, it's hard to be, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to really devastate, devastate the situation. Yeah, yeah somebody, my, my daughter was talking to somebody on the phone just before I came, and somebody asked her a shyla. So, so she asked me, she usually doesn't do that, but it was a hopeless situation. I was standing there, so she asked me, so I said, mutter. So the person who asked the question, she said, but. And then I said, still not. Then she said, but. She didn't run out of buts, you know, like, like until I finally had to, had to say, well, if, if that, you know, if you're so interested in having it be also, so let it be also. <laughs> so there's a different world today, you know. It's not a world where the, of the Chinese restaurant on Shabbos, but it's a different world. But it's good. It's good. Everything's good. I mean, the halacha is definitely too liberal for a lot of people, <laughs> which is, which, you know, everybody, everybody's in rebels, like, what would you do if there wasn't something usher that wasn't usher last week? That would be sort of, life would not be quite as, uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference because it comes in a package. So, you know, last week it had two uh, kashra symbols on it. And this week it's three country symbols. I said, oh, all right. Like, uh, what difference does it make? I'm happy everybody should earn a living. <laughs> so, that's what it says. Motumat. So, Rashi explains a little bit that he says, Motumat din That this is a capital case, and it goes to a court, your main cause of Beitin. The Beitin itself can't carry out the punishment, so the people help out. Am ha'aretz. Am shebeginon nivret ha'aretz. Rashi Adarabha, Rashi says, Am ha'aretz is like a compliment. Call somebody an Am ha'aretz, it's like saying he's the greatest. Davar acher, Am shadidim lirosh et ha'aretz ha'idei mitzvot ha'alahalam. Am ha'aretz. That the people who will get the land, how do they get the land? By doing the mitzvot it's a very nice, very nice idea that the Rashi has. Now we'll go to Pasuk Gimel. Now this is the important, sort of the important part, the part that I'd like you to think about. Ani atenet panai ba'ishahu. Ani atenet panai ba'ishahu. What would you say? 
If you didn't know Rashi Baal Peh, which I assure you all do, and know the Pesukim Baal Peh, it says, what is Tlatet Panim? Would you think that's good or bad? Well, I think that's wonderful. Right, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu said that, Kodesh Baruch I just want to know. I want to understand what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch said, no, um, you can see my back, but you can't see my face. So he said, why, do you see a face? Wow, that would be the greatest. So I hear that it's used differently. I will look carefully at that person. And I will punish him with the punishment of karet. Right? And Rashi says, Panai? It's like the wrong word. The wrong word in the Torah. Panai means good. It doesn't mean bad. So how can you get around that? So Rashi says, you see Rashi, but then Panai? Panai Shami. You know what Panai is? Pone Ani Mikol Asakai Vosek Bo. Panai. I'll make time for him. So Rashi arbitrarily, arbitrarily high-handed manner, just changes the word. So it's not the word you thought it was. Because the word you thought it was just doesn't fit in. But what word must it be? Pnai, we write it with an aleph. We write it, pei nun aleph yud. And the Torah wrote it here, pei nun yud nishkeferlach. Rashi says, you could say that. But, but what's more important to us, because we're just trying to understand what the Torah is saying, is that according to Rashi, it was inc- impossible. According to Rashi, it was impossible the word panai meant panai. Because Rashi knows that panai is good. That when God faces something, God says, I will face. That means that that's the most wonderful thing imaginable. Right, what could be better than that? So he says, here the penai will lead to karet. So here it sounds like Natan Lamolech means actually to sacrifice. Natan Lamolech. But it could be. If we understand Rashi, and Rashi means Lahavir, means just to pass through the fires. So Natan Lamolech means you do what you do to the Molech. I mean, you don't have to kill your, the, the child. It's enough just to do what you're supposed to do. Now this is a pretty strong statement here in the Torah. The Torah says, Mikdashi. Imagine anything worse. Mikdash is a place, the one place in the world, which is uh, dedicated to Tahara, always Tahor. Tameet Mikdashi is like to upset the actual created world. I mean, it can't be. Something can't happen. And the second thing is the Chalel Echen Kochi. The Chalel Echen Kochi. I don't even know what these things mean, but they obviously are tremendously serious. And if the Amaris decides not to kill him, V'samti aniet panai ba'ishahu v'mishpachto. V'samti aniet panai. Again, repeating that if he's not punished, then God will punish him. V'samti panai and mishpachto. Rashi says, look at Pesuk, hey, Amar Rabbi Shimon, v'chi mishpacha ma'chata, el alametcha, 
שאין לך משפחה שיש בה מוכס, שאין כולם מוכסים, שכולם מחבלים. Some of them who are guilty and others who are innocent. Mafia is the family. It goes, that's the definition of a mafia, and that's what the, that's what the Gemara says. The mafia is a family, and they're all going to be punished. So what I've tried to, to show you is that there is some difficulty in understanding what the... Um, what the uh, Pasuk, or what the Molech, is about. What it's about, and there's really one more source that I'd like us to look at, which we have to look at a few Pesukim as well. Uh, this, uh, by the way, this also appears, this idea of the Molech appears in Tzvarim. Uh, 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 somehow the wrong Pasuk got onto the sheet. I don't know how that happened. It's in Dvarim Perak Yud Chet, Pasuk Yud. Here, they, well, on the sheet, you see on page 2 at the bottom, it says Pasuk Kaf. Page 2 at the top, I'm sorry. Page 2 at the top, it says Pasuk Kaf. Perak Yud Chet, Pasuk Kaf. That's a mistake. It should be Pasuk Yud. I can't do anything about it right now. But I'll read the Pasuk to you. The Pasuk says, Lo Yimatsei Becha. There should not be amongst you ma'avir b'no b'to ba'esh. A person who is ma'avir, again that verb la'avir, mi'makom l'makom, b'no b'to ba'esh, kosein k'sabib ma'onei menachesh u'mechashem. And all of these words, kosein k'sabib ma'onei menachesh u'mechashem, are kinds of words that describe magicians. Magicians who tell the future, right, who don't act Bitmimut. Uh, Tmimut means, according to Rashi, that you don't second guess God. You don't say you, you you can't say, well, if I if I do this trick, then it'll work out, as though you have power to determine what God should do. That's what magic is. So here, in this pasuk, it doesn't mention the molech, but it does say ma'avir beno ubito ba'esh. It doesn't say the name Molech, and it connects it to magicians. So it may be that that's a kind of a proof for the position of Rashi, which is that there's a certain kind of, that ma'avir, you know, that you, you have some purposefulness in, 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 in transmitting the child from one side to the other in order to tell the future, in order to determine the future, or something of that kind. Okay. So that, uh, that's page, that's the beginning of page two. Now let's look at the Mishnah in Megillah. Perek Tet Mishnah, Perek Dalet Mishnah Tet, that's the number, the reference in the Mishnayot. If you look in the Gemara, it's Perek Gimel Mishnah Tet. Why it was switched around is not our, our issue. Haomer. Now Chazal, at the time of the Mishnah, had this problem 
apparently there was a widespread belief that there was good, there was a good God and a bad God, or a God of good and a God of bad. And that eventually the God of good would win over the God of bad. But until that happened, the God of bad also has to be appeased somehow. So if you give a sacrifice to the God of good, then you have to give a sacrifice to the God of bad. Now this, or instead of a sacrifice, you'd have to give prayers, or you'd have to do something. Now this idea was an idea that, uh, that uh, was very well developed amongst the Persians. Right? The Persians who had a religion that was called Zoroastrianism. That was their religion. And their religion was with this idea of good and bad. Right? Good and bad. Uh, in fact, there's a pasuk in Yeshayahu that belies this interest that we had in this Persian idea. And that, person, that pasuk says, Yotzer Or, Uvore Choshech, you may recognize it, or think you recognize it. Yotzer Or, Uvore Choshech, Ose Shalom, Uvore Ra, Now, I don't know how it happened, but you know that that is a bracha that we say every day in the davening, in shacharit, except that when we say it, we say, which obviously is different than what the Navi Yeshayahu said. Now, in order for Chazal to arbitrarily change a pasuk and to get away with it, right, you have to see that there are two parts here. One is, you know, changing, saying, oh, don't say it this way, say it that way. And for the people who are davening to allow this to happen, that's very remarkable. So it means that this, this issue was a tremendous issue. So here we have a Mishnah. Mishnah, right? The Mishnah says, Omer, a person who says, You should be blessed by the good ones. By the ones who produce Tov. So, who produces Tov? Say, God produces Tov. It's a way of saying that God should bless you. But, the simple pshat, the simple pshat that could be understood was that up in heavens, there are Tovim, and there are also Ra'im. So, of course, when I say Yevarchu HaTovim, that's a, that's a bracha. But it also may be true that that's brachas being said by somebody who believes that there's a duality in heaven. There's the good God, or the God of good, and the God of bad. So, so the Mishnah says, I guess people said that. Otherwise, why would the Mishnah mention it? That's what a mean is. Mean, uh, again, uh, all these words are difficult to describe, but minim are like what we would call apikorsin, except that apikorsin today is almost anybody. Right? Anybody could be an apikoris, right? The, whoever stands a few centimeters to the right of me thinks that I'm an apikoris. 
And that's how it is in the world. So that the world, Apikoros, has become devalued. But there was a time when, uh, when you, to be an Apikoros, you had to really do something. I mean, you wasn't just, you couldn't just stand still. You know, where they, where they blew the shot sirens on Yom Ha'atzmud, if you're standing in the street, so you're an Apikoros. I mean, that's really easy. You know, uh, there was a time that to be an Apikoros or a Min, you had to uh, be a Christian, you had to adopt really different views of God and mitzvot. You had to, you had to be something. You had, you had to be neurotically drinking coffee in a coffee house in the street of Berlin to be an Apikoros, right? Not like today. Today it's like, you know, what else is new? You know, like, uh, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. So, harezo derech minut. Now, what about al kan sipo yagiu rachamecha? What do you think about that? The person says, when he prays to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he says, Oh, you are merciful on the kan uh, the You know, the, the Torah says, you have to make the, the mother fly away and take the eggs. So, that's mercy. If you're, in other words, you're, you've decided why God wants you to do a mitzvah. You're sort of like usurping the, uh, the character of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You say, oh, you thought HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like, you can't understand? No, no, it's like mercy. So that's no good, right? That's what people would say. People would say, instead of like we do, you know, we say modim twice. You never noticed that? I mean, I'm talking about going to shul. There's a shlech tzibur, the shlech tzibur gets up to modim. So everybody says modim, this modim and that modim. But apparently there was a time when they would say modim, modim. They, they were like two modim. Modim anachalachu. Who? To Hashem? Then, Modev Anachlaloch, to who? I mean, Monoshach. If it's the same, so you said it already. And if it's different, so it sounds bad, right? I mean, what are there two, like two teams in heaven that you have to appease? So, that's what the Mishnah says. Mishat Kinoto. Now, Deva Machaneba Rayot Mishat Kinoto. Listen to this last one. I mean, you'll see, we'll see in the toast with Yom Tov in a minute. Haomer mizaracha lotitein lahavir lamolech. If somebody gets up and reads this pasuk, mizaracha lotitein lahavir lamolech, that's the first pasuk that we learned about the molech, right? In the parasha, at the end of the parasha of Achrimot. At the end of the parasha of Achrimot. And then he says, then he goes on, you know, you know that, that the minhag was that they would translate the Kriya into a comprehensible language, which at that time was Aramaic. Now, you know that to this day, there is one Jewish community that still does that. And that's called, they, they, they are the Yemenites, right? The Yemenites, when they read from the Torah on Shabbat morning, they have some precocious little kid, usually, who, you know, the, the, the adults get aliyahs. The adults get an aliyah, and they, they read one pasuk, and then the precocious kid just chimes in with the targum. The targum that he says today is a targum in Arabic, the targum of Rasad Yagot. But at the time of the Mishnah, the targum was the targum into Aramaic. So we don't do that anymore. 
because, probably because, we don't understand the Targum. So, so what's the point of saying it? Saying two things you don't understand. You know, it's, uh, it's good enough you don't understand the Chumash. Or I don't understand, the, I don't understand something else. But the Yemenites, the Yemenites have stuck devotedly to this method. Because that's what the Rambam says. You know that the Yemenites always did what the, the Rambam told them to do. So they keep doing this. So this mission is talking about somebody who reads a Pasuk and then says a translation. Right? So he says, he says, V'zarcha lo titein la'abora ba'armiyuta. La'abora ba'armiyuta. So what is that? What did he say in Aramaic? So if you look at the Tosus Yantu, Tosus Yantu is one of the classic Befarshim on the Mishnah. So uh, let's. Matzati uh, ba'aruch. It's the third wide line in the Tosus Yantu, the fourth word on the line. Umatsati Baruch. Aruch is a dictionary. I've mentioned it several times. Erech Aram, Aleph Reish Mem, it's a dictionary entry. Shekatav, Vize Lishono. Almeh Mizaracha Baarmiyuta. Pirish. Loti Tain Mizaracha. Bea Uma Yadua. Shemavirin Zaram La Molech. Kegon Armeyim. Shut. A man should not have relations with a non-Jewish woman, a woman who comes from that nation where they serve Molech, because his children may end up serving the Molech. Do you see it? Rizelishono. I'm in the third line, uh, right in the middle. Rizelishono. You should not give your seed, right? You shouldn't have relations with a woman from the nation that sacrifices to the Molech. For example, the Arameans. I mean, I don't know why Arameans. We saw that the Molech is associated with Ammon. Right, but he calls it Arameans. Arameans were not Ammonites. They were somebody else. Because you are causing Zaracha, your seed, to become um, passed over to the to the Molech. Uh, okay, that, that, that's enough. That's enough. Let's say that that's enough. So let's go back to the Mishnah and read the Mishnah. Someone who gets up to this pasuk in the reading of the Torah in Shul, and he says, And a someone who says that the issue is that you shouldn't have relations with a non-Jewish woman such that the children might end up being part of the Molech services, Mishatkin Oto be nezifa. Meshatkin oto be nezifa. Look back at the Tosud Yom Tov, the fifth line. A little more than halfway across. Lefikach meshatkin oto be nezifa. Elepeyush ha-katuv kedetanu dvei Rav Yishmael b'Yisrael. Ha-ba'al ha-goya. 
ועולית בן לעבודה זרה, כתוב מדבר, ולא שונה מולך משאר בתי עבודה זרה, עד כאן לשונו. ורש"י מפרש, דתנא דבי רבי ישמעאל לפרש מתניתן עתה, ונראה ודאי דלדעת בעל הערוך, נמי לא עתה תנא דבי רבי ישמעאל, הכוח כתוב ממשמעותו, לתת כרת לבוא על הגויה. But it's not that, it's not that the, 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 this interpretation is the primary interpretation of the Pasuk. The primary interpretation of the Pasuk remains whatever it remains. But it's also true that you should not have uh, the kind of relations that would produce children that would be involved in, the, in this moment. Now I just want uh, one more piece of information. If you look at the first page, the second source, right? The Pasuk, we will under, uh, understand it. U the Targum Yonatan. You see right next to that Pasuk, Umin Zaracha, Lotitain Bitashmishta, Litsaid Bat Ammin, Lima Abarala Pulcha Pulcha Ochare. You shouldn't give your zera, your seed, over to some other kind of of uh, Pulchan. ולא תפיס יד שמה דאלהך, אני אשם, אני אשם. ולא תחלל את שם אלוקיך, אני אשם. So you see that the traditional interpretations found all of this very difficult. And if I would ask myself, what's the issue? A man told Molech is Molech. We know that it's the, it's the idolatry of the Ammonites. So the Torah said, stay away from the idolatry of the Amorite. That seems uh, not so unreasonable. And yet, and yet we see that it wasn't clear, on the one hand, what the idolatry was. And secondly, right, we have Rashi and the Rambam who say that they didn't kill the child. And the Ramban who said that they did kill the child. And then we have the statement in the Mishnah that seems to say a whole different, a different shot, as though it's inconceivable that any Jew would give his children to the Molech. But you shouldn't even have relations with a non-Jewish woman such that you might cause in the future generations this to some, something to happen to your, uh, to your children of future, future generations. Now it's hard, it's hard I think to avoid uh, thinking of Akedat Yitzchak. It's hard to avoid thinking for a moment about Akedat Yitzchak and the tzivui, the command that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Avram Abinu, Kachna et bincha, Echidecha shahavta, Velech lechal eretz moria, Vahaleu sham laola, A direct command, direct command that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Avram Abinu to sacrifice his son. Now it's true that at the end of that story, the command seems to have been rescinded. The angel comes down from heaven and grabs onto Abraham Avinu's hand and says to him, Al taslo ma'uma. Al taslo ma'uma. Which, as you know, Rashi says, quoting Chazal, ma'uma sounds like the word mum. Sounds like the word mum. Mum is a blemish. He had the knife, Abram Avinu had the knife in his hand, and Yitzchak was tied on the altar. I mean, this is what Chazal say. Yitzchak was tied on the altar, and Abram Avinu 
had this dilemma. He, he couldn't understand how he could be in such a position where on the one hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu clearly told him to sacrifice his son, and then on the other hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him not to sacrifice his son. This was Avram Avinu's dilemma. Leaving Kirchigad aside, and leaving all the poetry that's ever been written about uh, uh, children and their parents, Avram Avinu could not understand, according to Rashi, how he could possibly follow both directives. How could you sacrifice your son? And how could you not sacrifice your son? And as far as Avram Avinu was concerned, since God represented truth, it's difficult to say that statement B canceled out statement A. Or that statement A was only there to see if Aravinu was willing. Like, let's see if he would do it. I mean, for Aravinu, at least this is the position of Rashi, I think. Aravinu, he had this dilemma, he couldn't understand how he could both sacrifice his son and not sacrifice his son. As an aside, I have to say, and I always say this, but I think it's true, that Aravinu was not concerned about the fact that a Kodesh Baruch Hu said that he would be the father of a great nation and that he had many descendants. And if Yitzchak would die, that would be difficult. Because as far as Amr Ravinim was concerned, a Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world and that's, that's not a big issue. How God would solve that problem was God's problem, so to speak. It wasn't Avram Avidu's problem. He didn't have to have children. HaKadosh Baruch promised him that he would have children. So the children would come somehow. If they come out of the ground or come out of a tree, I mean, it didn't make any difference. Avram Avinu's issue was that he was the person who discovered, he, Avram Avinu, is the person who discovered that HaKadosh Baruch wants something from us. Not why he wants it, or what the purpose of it is. Only that Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants it, and that's why Avram Avinu was introduced to us in the Torah. Lech lecha me'arzecha. That's Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was the first one who responded to a demand. I mean, after the Garden of Eden and all this, but the first one in recognizable history who responded to a demand from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Lech lecha. He went. So HaKadosh Baruch said to Abraham, you know, sacrifice your son. So he wanted to do it. Then HaKadosh Baruch said, don't sacrifice your son. He wanted to do that as well. And he didn't know how. He didn't know how to do that. So the angel said to Abraham, you know, Al-Tas lo me'uma. Al-Tas, don't do anything to him. What was the anything? What was anything that he was talking about? So Rashi says, Chazal, right? Rashi, Chazal, that the word me'uma, which I say syllabically, really sounds like, when you say it in Hebrew, muma. And you say it quickly. The aleph sort of disappears. And muma sounds like mum. A mum is a blemish. And you all know that an animal that has a blemish like a, 
a scar in its eyelid, for example, cannot be given as a korban. Only an unblemished animal can be brought as a korban at the Beit HaMikdash. So Avram Avinu said, everything I'm telling you is in Rashi. I just want, you know, you could look that up also. Avram Avinu said, I'll tell you what, this is what I'll do. I'll take the knife and I'll scar him. I'll make him unfit to be a sacrifice. And then it'll work out because God said sacrifice him, so I came to sacrifice him. But of course I had to look carefully to see if that if Yitzvah had a blemish or not. But I see he has a blemish, so I can't sacrifice him. Al-Taslo Mi'uma. Al-Taslo, that's what the angel said. Which sounds like it means that both things are true. And that Avram Avinu was the first one who learned that not everything that might be done can be done. Just as Nadav Avihu learned that not everyone, that's Achremot, not everybody who wants to go into the Mikdash for true and pure reasons is granted entree into the Beit HaMikdash. So that Avram Avinu had this question. If the purpose of life, if the purpose of life is to give to HaKadosh Baruch, if the purpose of life is to give of yourself or to make yourself over as HaKadosh Baruch wants you to be, so is there a limit? Is there a limit to this desire to be what HaKadosh Baruch wants me to be? So HaKadosh Baruch taught Avram Avinu this, that sacrificing your own son for God makes sense in the eyes of God. Because what is life in the eyes of God? I mean, a fleeting moment. It's not anything that means anything. Only Olam Haba, only Gan Eden, can be thought of in terms of the divine. So that for HaKadosh Baruch to say, sacrifice your son, Pshita, Pshita Adarabba, Adarabba, why not? But for Avram Avinu, to do that, would belie the humanity that is demanded of us. And that's what Avram Avinu learned. And Avram Avinu learned, Avram Avinu learned that not every kind of devotion as much sense as it may make, is acceptable in the eyes of heaven. Even devotion is limited. The devotion of Nadav Aviv, the devotion of Avram Avinu, bringing Yitzchak as a sacrifice. And so, the Torah says, Molech. And Rashi says, Rashi says, no, it's not that Molech. It's not sacrificing your child because we've learned that already. We learned that lesson with Avram Avinu. What do you think the Torah is going to come and tell us not to sacrifice our children? Of course we know we're not going to sacrifice our children. But even something that might look as though we were thinking of sacrificing our children, even that is unacceptable. And that cannot be cannot be countenanced. And a person who does that, 
A person does that, Rashi says, Chilul Hashem, Chilul HaKodesh, deserve Karet, because you, when you know something can't, be hap- can't happen, you can't even come close to it. You can't even do something that smells like it. And so the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, the person says, Molech, and he translates the Molech, the Pasuk about Molech, he translates it correctly, the idea is there, but that's not what the Pasuk really says. Then he gets uh, a Nzifa. Everybody knows that if, you're, if you have children in the army, you know what a Nzifa is. Zifa. So that we have to understand, we have to understand that the Torah is coming to explain to us that even if you know, even if you know that there's this, some kind of an ideal situation which is forbidden, you can't come close to it, you can't even think about the sacrifice of children, even though on some level of logic it may make sense, nevertheless, the Torah says you can't even come close to it. You can't approximate it. You can't think about it. And that's called the prohibition, the prohibition of Molech. So Rashi and the Rambam, Rashi and the Rambam are the ones who say that there is no prohibition to sacrifice your own children. What do you mean there's no prohibition to sacrifice your own children? It means that according to Rashi, according to Rashi, according to the Rambam, who would, who would do such a thing? after Avram Avinu. Who would imagine that they could sacrifice their children even though it's an act of tremendous devotion? You know, anytime you give up something of your own to HaKadosh Baruch, something you really hold dear, that's a wondrous act of devotion. But Avram Avinu learned the lesson. And we learned the lesson. I mean, no one would imagine taking his own son, Rahman al-Islam, and sacrificing him to HaKadosh Baruch after the story of Avraham, of Avraham Avinu. However, however, there is kind of a mistake that you can make. You can fall into the pit. And the pit is, well, maybe we'll just imagine that we're giving, we're doing it. Maybe we will just think that it could happen, right? Some kind of a, an imaginary Avodah, an imaginary service that we give to God through, uh, through the Molech. Even that imaginary service is unacceptable, impossible, unreasonable, and cannot be done. And that's the prohibition that the Torah gives. So that sometimes, even when something becomes part of you, when you're like, you know, you, you're very committed. I mean, Akedas Yitzchak, it's, it's a formula, formulating parsha in our existence. I mean, who doesn't know about Akedat Yitzchak? And who cannot glorify this moment in history, even though we don't always understand exactly what it means. But Akedat Yitzchak, Akedas that tells us clearly, don't sacrifice your son. Don't get involved in such a thing. Even Avram Avinu could not do that with impunity. The prohibition against sending your children off to the Molech is something else. It's don't get close to what you know is forbidden. Don't even imagine that you can somehow deal with, uh, with this prohibition 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Avram Ravinu by sneaking around it and doing something like uh, something imaginary like just passing the child through the fires imagining that he is some kind of a that he's some kind of a sacrifice so that this was the, you, know, you see in the, in the, in the book of, of Vayikra in the book of Vayikra there's a very strong position that's taken by the Torah that in order for us to live in order for us to live and to exist in the world which we found after, after being driven out of the Garden of Eden we have to apply again and again Hazar HaKarev Yumat even coming close to something that is forbidden in an ideological sense even moving in that direction is uh, totally unreasonable and unacceptable have a good show